Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. That has been an absolute godsend. That's one of my biggest pieces of counsel mm-hmm. to every business owner, entrepreneur. I don't care if you have one person or a thousand people in your organization. Mm-hmm. Oh my, it's been unreal. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Matt Lesser. Matt's the founder of Uniquely Normal, a leadership consultancy based in the US. He's also the author of Unengaged Building Flourishing Organizations. Matt joined me recently to talk about leadership, culture, and purpose. With a background in operations management and a journey that began working as part of his family oil company, his career is marked by success in fostering organizational excellence. Matt joins us to share his insights on navigating challenges and shaping purpose-driven leadership approach as a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Matt. It's really great to have you with us. Thank you so much, Amy. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to hearing a bit more about your journey as well. It's fascinating from what I've read so far. So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization, please? Absolutely. So my name is uh, Matt Lesser. Matthew Lesser is my my formal name, uh, mm-hmm. but I prefer Matt. Call me Matthew if I'm in trouble, but uh, <laughs> okay. otherwise just Matt's fine. Uh, so I uh, was uh, was actually born uh, in the Chicago area, Chicago, Illinois area, came to uh, where I live now in Northeast Indiana uh, when I was four. So I uh, have very little memory of Chicago. So I grew up in a, in a family where my dad was an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. He uh, bought into a business and then wound up actually taking it over and expanding it. And uh, then I wound up taking over from him after I completed university. And uh, he literally uh, turned it over to me and left. And so it was an interesting uh, experience. Did not anticipate that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and here I was. I was about 24, 25 years old, fresh out wow. of university. It was uh, a little bit, maybe a lot on the arrogant side <laughs> and thought I could do about anything. And um, and three months into it, I just I kept discovering problem after problem. And three months into it, I had this thought that this is not going to make it. And three months after that, it did. It failed. And in the process, I got really, really sick, Um, spiraled into a deep clinical depression, even to the point of becoming suicidal. And um, it was in those dark, dark places where I was that literally, you know, it's one of those, you mentioned my journey. So I'm going back a little bit further Mm -hmm. um, than maybe you you anticipated, but I... um, it was, I, I can't tell my story without telling this part of my, mm-hmm. because it was so, it imprinted so much of who I am today. Um, it was in those dark places where uh, literally my journey um, just was, became totally unexplained and unscripted. Uh, miracle after miracle after miracle occurred. Uh, a local businessman heard about what was going on. Uh, he got involved with our family. Uh, he actually knew my mom from when they were kids, believe it or not. So, um, and so uh, he stepped in with a team of people. Um, he he got me help. So I was actually removed for about six months and just to get help. Mm-hmm. While I was gone, he helped. Uh, he helped us start over, and the new business took off. And it grew from literally three people: me, my mom, and one other person. And uh, by the time that I sold it, about twelve years later, it had grown to about two hundred people. And it expanded uh, to 18 different locations, um, and it was an unbelievable journey. It was during that 
growth, both the failure and then the growth period where I fell in love with leadership because um, I did not learn, even though I studied business in university, I did not study leadership. And I was not taught, you're not taught in university, even today, you're not really taught. What does it mean to grow a business and the different styles of leadership, types of leadership it takes when you're starting out, when you're quickly, and when you're at scale? I mean, those are very different leadership types. Yeah. And, and so that, I obviously didn't learn what do you do when you go through a failing business. And so um, so I became extremely hungry for business, uh, for leadership, sorry. I, I would I would seek leaders in my area and anybody that I admired, I looked up to, and I would beg them, not beg them, but I would ask them for an hour of their time. Could I have lunch with them, coffee them, whatever? And then I would ask them, okay, what book should I read? What books should I read? Um, I love your the bookcase behind you. If you saw my study, I'm not in my study today, mm-hmm. uh, you would see literally walls and walls of books that I have read over the years and a lot of them on leadership yeah. uh, because I knew I was ill-equipped. And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, so then after I sold the business, I went into private equity, was there for 12 years. That's where I traveled the world, literally meeting with leaders. And it was during this time where um, I was, as I was meeting with these owners, many of them were first generation business owners, started their business, very successful. And I would be sitting across the table for them. Now I'm, I'm in private equity. I'm looking mm-hmm. to try to buy their business. Mm-hmm. And, and I would hear these stories that they would share with me. I didn't hear it one, two, three. I heard it a hundred times of these business owners that would tell me oftentimes with high emotion that they, they sacrificed everything. And when they said everything, what they meant was usually their marriages and their kids. They sacrificed everything to build this thing, right? To build this business that they thought would give them everything they dream about in life. So usually mm-hmm. it meant money, power, freedom, flexibility, you know, to be able to do whatever they wanted in life. Oftentimes, it did provide at least some of those financial and economic rewards, but along the way, the the cost, the sacrifices that they had to make to get there, they would often finish the conversation with me and say, if I could do it all over again, I would do it so much differently because what I realized was what I thought was important in life wound up being not important, and now they basically wanted nothing to do with their business. They wanted to get rid of it. Okay. And so it was out of this, these conversations that I began to keep a journal. And I had this thought then um, that, you know, somebody needs to tell the story or these stories as a collective story. And so I had the thought to write a book. And so when I left private equity, um, I had this, I had the desire to go back into business for myself. But um, quite frankly, I was, I was coming out of um, a very long period of time of not working for myself uh, I lacked confidence to get back into that game, and so I floundered. I really floundered for a couple of years, and then finally I did it. I launched Uniquely Normal, which is my company now, mm-hmm. and I began. The first thing I did is I wrote a book, which was published last October, and when that was published, I started writing my second book, which comes out in five weeks, and so. Um, and in the meantime, I've been uh, working with clients specifically in leadership development, um, and the name of my company, Uniquely Normal, comes from these story after story after story of talking with leaders, and, as, and even today talking with leaders, where they will tell me things like, nobody understands what I'm going through, I feel all alone, I don't know who to talk to, I don't know who to trust, mm-hmm. and, you know, and this, 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 this feeling, this sense of you know, complete isolation and insulation, and so then I'm able to talk into that and say, you're not alone, and honestly, your problems are not unique. They're mm-hmm. normal. 
And that's where mm -hmm. I came up with uniquely normal. So, so well, long answered your question, but there you go. <laughs> great answer. And what a journey. And, you know, good for you for, you know, powering through that whole situation and ending up where you are because it's, it's often in the times where we describe them as the darkest times. It's yeah. often in those darkest times that you find out what you want and then you can power forward and go for, for what, you, what you want, for want of a better phrase. Yes. Thank you for sharing that, Matt. My pleasure. And, and so in the work that you do at the moment, what kind of challenges are leaders up against? Are there key themes that they're facing? Like you say, it's, it's normal. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that there, um, there are definitely a couple of themes. Um, the first theme is more, I'd say, personal. And so leaders today, they, they truly don't know who to talk to, who they can talk to, who they can trust to talk to. <laughs> and so I think there's this feeling of loneliness. And I think, honestly, coming through the pandemic made that even worse. Yeah. Um, so then now, basically, we're forced into loneliness, right? We're forced into isolation. And so then coming out of it, then um, they don't really know who they can talk with. So I think that's the personal side. And on, on the professional side, I think there is this, not think, there, there seems to be these themes of, um, I call them people challenges. And mm -hmm. so we hear about it every day, right? Difficulty recruiting, difficulty filling open positions, difficulty with engagement and, and motivation, yeah. difficulty with commitment, loyalty, succession planning. And so that's really where um, my company focuses is really on those two, the, the personal of coming alongside leaders and just uh, sometimes I say, you know what, I'll just be an ear for you. You know, if, no, if you need to vent, if you need to bounce ideas off of, you know, you can trust me because yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I, you're paying me to be a trusted, confident. And so I'll be that for you. Uh -huh. um, but hopefully I contribute. I don't do it just to take money. I do it to contribute value. Mm -hmm. And then on a professional side, my company focuses on Okay, there are there are ways that we can address each one of these people related challenges. It takes time, it takes energy, resources and intentionality, mm -hmm. but there are definite there are solutions and there are proven practices to address each one of those problems. And so those are the two air primary areas that I'm focusing on with building this business. Fantastic. And and at what stage do the leaders come to you because I think sometimes the challenge for leaders is having allowing themselves that space to almost take a step back before you move forward. Mm -hmm. It feels like a very action orientated. Yeah. It's um, I, I wish I could tell you that there's a, you know, Hey, when the company reaches this point or yeah. have, there's, uh -huh. there, I, I see it at all stages. Um, I think a lot depends on um, maybe a leader's own personal journey and where they are in their development. Uh, mm -hmm. For whatever reason, um, a lot of the most of my clients are family businesses, and the majority are actually second and third generation. And okay. so, of of leaders who have now taken over from the founding, usually their their father or mother, and they are now in the in the hot seat, if you will. They're in the leadership position, yeah. and and they're looking around them, saying, "Oh my, I'm ill-equipped." You know, mm -hmm. it, some of the, they may have gone to university, they may not have gone to university. Um, but they, they primarily learn from just observing, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of entrepreneurs and founders of businesses don't necessarily have the time <clears throat> to intentionally pour into that next generation. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not, uh, throwing stones about that. It's just, a, it's just a reality. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of these leaders have now just learned, have learned just by observation and they realize now, you know what, I need some formal training in this because if I don't. Um, I'm going to mess this up. Uh -huh. And so I think it just depends on a leader's journey and where they're at.
Yeah, absolutely. Is it often the case with those family businesses as well that because of the because of the way that family businesses work, often they come in as an operator and then work their way up into leadership? And sometimes that's a mindset you can get stuck in, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I think moving from the I call it the operational, concrete, tactical to mm-hmm. moving to more of the strategic, visionary. Yeah, um, that can be sometimes a very difficult bridge to gap. Yeah, and. And sometimes it's just a, um, depends on how you're wired, right? You're mm-hmm. more, sometimes people are more naturally wired to be tactical uh-huh. and in, in the, in the trenches and some are more wired to be more strategic in, in organizing all the troops, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've seen that in organizations, not that I've worked with, but I'm aware of. So um sort of close personal friend of a friend has got a business that he, the owner had had a brain tumor and taken six months out of the business and the business Ooh. ticked over. It's fine now, thankfully, but the business ticked over without him and then went back to work and then shut down for two weeks at Christmas oh. so that, because the guys couldn't keep going. <laughs> and oh, I think wow. it's that mindset shift, isn't it? They were fine for six months, but now it's Christmas and we need to, we need to shut down. So it is a, it's a mindset shift often, I think. Yes. It's not the reality of can the operations continue without me. It is, you know, that's the way it needs to be if we're going to grow. Absolutely. And it's Absolutely. a challenge. It's a challenge. And, and so in terms of your journey, it's, it sounds as though it was quite an organic process. Was it always the aim that you would have a, a sort of a, a consultancy and work in this way? Or was that an organic <laughs> process? Uh, I would say it's definitely more organic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I was younger, um, actually, uh, after university, I worked for my dad for a year and mm-hmm. or about a year and a half, actually. And um, I actually went in to resign because okay. I, I was going to go back to school. I had actually toyed with the idea of becoming a college professor and pursuing wow. an academic career. And um, it was then in my in my attempt to resign where my dad flipped the table on me and said, actually, I'm leaving. Huh. And so uh, so I guess that was to be my journey. And so yeah. I went into business then. And then um, I would say that where I am today um, was very organic and unplanned. Um, it was just a result of, I think, many different paths and, and mm-hmm. trails that I'd never anticipated um, I actually thought I would finish my career in uh, in the private equity firm I was in, okay. and uh, one thing led to another, and I realized that it was time for me to move on. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and like I said, I, I floundered for a couple of years just trying to find my my footing and trying to find okay, what what is next for me? Uh-huh. Um, I really didn't have much desire to go back into corporate. Um, and so that really left me with, okay, do I pursue the academic route now, which I actually do teach adjunct. I love teaching mm-hmm. adjunct. Um, but I didn't necessarily feel the compelled to do that full time. And so, yeah. uh, I wanted to write. And so I wrote a book and then that led to this. And so, yeah, so I guess long answer to your question, it's been very organic. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's often those small sort of track changes, isn't it? That yeah. leads you, lead you to some side, but you're clearly in the right place. You're clearly very passionate about what you do so well, it's, uh, you. All, all worked out in the end <laughs> I, I hope so <laughs> time will and, tell right yeah absolutely absolutely but what i, what I see is great so far Thank and, you. and a question that i always like to ask but i want to understand what's on the blooper reel of your leadership career are there moments that you sort of now look back oh, if i knew then what i know now i would have done this differently are there any bloopers that you're oh. happy to share with us we don't have enough time, Amy, to uh, talk about all those bloopers. Um, 
you know, I'll uh, I'll give you um, I'll give you a couple. One is I think my um, one is my own transition from um, more tactical to strategic. Mm-hmm. Uh, by nature, I am more tactical, operational in the weeds. Um, several about uh, about halfway into my journey in private equity, it was a fam- basically it's a family office, one one family's wealth that we were investing. Um, the owner was a dear friend of mine, dear mentor, and uh, and he took me out for coffee one day, or I think it was lunch actually, maybe breakfast doesn't matter. And um, we uh, we were talking about my you know basically my journey inside the firm at the time I was COO, and um, and he basically said he said what is your um, he's like you have potential to be more than a COO you know be president be CEO someday, but you have a you have a major limiter in your leadership. And I said, okay. And, and he said, you're so concrete and you're so tactical that you have to, you have to build those muscles of strategic and lateral thinking and, and things like that that become less concrete and more uh, intuitive in your thinking. And so, um, and so I, I, I didn't exactly know what he meant at the time because I was too concrete. <laughs> and so I, <laughs> um, but I did, I, I enlisted a, a coach and a counselor and I said, help me. And that was a very, very difficult process. Um, so today I would say that I am at least consciously incompetent, sometimes competent in, in strategic abilities. I'm a whole lot better than I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably never going to be as good as somebody who's more natural at it. Um, but just my journey along the way of trying to be of moving intentionally move from tactical to strategic, um, you know, it's at times I would say that I could see the, I could see things and I, I couldn't or, or whatever, but it was just a, it's been a, it's been a very stretching process. So, uh, there's that another one was, um, you know, in that same journey, uh, I hired a very gifted leader to work for me and, um, it was just at this point I'd been there at the, is again in private equity ten years in there, and um, so I hired this leader to come uh, to be part of my leadership team in the division that I was in, and um, I'll never forget she would come to me with a problem to solve or an issue or whatever, and rather than equipping her and empowering her to solve the problem herself, I would just go solve it, come back and say, okay, it's taken care of. Uh-huh. Well, the third time that I did this, I'll never forget. It, literally, she said, "Okay, bud, sit down." And it, it's like, "Whoa, okay." So you know, I'm her boss, but she's okay. Okay, bud, sit down. And so I did. And she said, "Why did you hire me?" And I said, "To lead this this team over here and do this and do this." And and she said, "Then why aren't you letting me do it?" And I just said, "I I don't understand." And she said, when I bring you problems or I bring you questions, I'm not asking you to solve it. I'm asking you to equip me to solve it. And she said, if you're just going to keep solving all the problems, you don't need me. And she said, quite frankly, I don't want to work for you if that's the way you're going to lead me. And um, that was a huge aha for me. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that I really, even though I would, I, I would have taught philosophically that I was all about empowerment and letting people, equipping people to solve problems and lead well, I wasn't living it. And mm-hmm. and that was just, it was one of those really big, ah, because I didn't want to lose her. She was very, very good. Yeah. Um, but that forced me really to take a hard look in the mirror and say, okay, Matt, what kind of a leader do you really want to be? Yeah. Are you just going to be somebody that talks all the, all about philosophy and principles, but then doesn't actually live it? And so you're inconsistent. 
And um, and so that was a that was a not only a blooper, but that was really a that was kind of a ground shaker for me mm. in realizing that I was not living what I said I what I said I believed. Yeah, I, I find it fascinating still to this day, and I, I don't know how many people I've spoken to throughout my career, but I think that the sort of nuggets that you can take, you can learn something from everybody, <laughs> can't you? Yeah. And they're not all ground shakers, but those moments where you're not expecting that, you weren't expecting to have that conversation that day, but it's absolutely changed the trajectory of your leadership career. Yeah. I find it fascinating how that happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely that was a big one. Mm. Yeah, good for her for yeah being able to manage it words in that way. Yeah, it sounds yeah. Like it was, Great for both of you. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. She's very confident. She wasn't afraid of having hard conversations. Yeah. That's for sure. No, so. and we all need those people around us, don't we? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> and and so in terms of other advice, if there was any sort of ground shakers for other people that you have been um, privy to or insights that you've gained throughout your career, is there anything that you would share with the listeners about leadership? Um, Again, we don't have enough time in your in your program, but I, I will share this one that I'm actually practicing in my current business. Um, when I uh, when I was going on my own, so that I, I started Uniquely Normal in uh, July of 2021, so it's a little over two years old. Mm-hmm. Um, leading up to the launch of my business, I had a uh, an 82 year old mentor, good friend. We served on a board together. That's how we met. And he found out that I was going to start this business. And so he, uh, he said, hey, so he says, hey, can I, can I buy you a beer? So we met for a beer on a, on a Tuesday afternoon, I think it was. And, um, and we talked and just caught up. And then he finally said, he said, tell me about the business you're starting. So I told him about this idea of, of Uniquely Normal and the four pillars of writing, speaking, consulting, and coaching. And he just, he looked at me and he says, he says sounds like a great idea. He says, don't do it alone. And I said, okay. Um, I said, his name is Chuck. I said, Chuck, um, I am a startup. I am doing, I'm financing this myself. I don't have investors. And so I said, I can't afford to hire anybody at this point. So what do you recommend? And he said, um, put together a personal board of directors. And I said, okay, what does that look like? And he said, find four or five people that you know, love you, care about you, and that you trust and that you know have your best interest at heart and aren't afraid to speak truth to you. Hmm. And he said, and ask for a half a day of their time every quarter. He said, don't pay them. They're investing in you. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, obviously it'll be a mutual, you know, value contribution or they wouldn't do it. Um, but uh, just ask them if they will be your personal board of directors. And so I'm like, okay. And so I did. And, um, Honestly, Amy, it was. This has been probably the best decision that um, I, I've, I've never claimed to a bat. You know, I've never made perfect decisions as a leader, right? I've, I've made good ones and I've made not good ones. Uh-huh. This was probably one of the best ones I've ever made. Um, that and I, by listening to my friend, by listening to my mentor, mm-hmm. and um, but every quarter we meet for half a day, and so it's it's three gentlemen and my wife, believe it or not, and um, and so we. Um, this group has, has been, uh, I, the way I describe it is, is that they encourage me when I'm down. They, they, um, they, they come alongside me when I need counsel and support and they kick me in the pants when I need kicked in the pants. Yeah. And, um, and it's been great. I mean, I can't tell you how many, how many decisions already in the last two years that uh, had I been on my own, I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm more than I, I could have easily train wrecked this journey. Uh, or I might've abandoned the journey. You know, mm-hmm. when my first book came out for whatever reason, I went into a real, I went to a real lull and a real, I, I was, I got really, um, I don't know. I, just, I can't describe it. I just went to a dark place for a little bit now, to the point of saying when I had my board meeting in November, it was released in October at my board meeting. Like, sorry, three weeks later, 
<laughs> I literally came to that meeting saying, yeah, it's been a good ride, guys, but I'm done. Wow. And literally to a person, they all said, no, you're not. um and so here we are we're still we're still going so um so i recommend any especially an entrepreneur and especially if they're by him or herself find three four or five people if you can that are willing to give you it doesn't have to be a half a day it can be Mm -hmm. whatever so i meet a half a day with them as a team and then i meet each of them um um one-on-one every month and so for an hour and so um, that has been an absolute godsend. And and so I, I that's one of my one of my biggest pieces of counsel mm-hmm. to every business owner, entrepreneur. I don't care if you have one people, one person, or a thousand people in your organization. Mm-hmm. Having that group of wise counsel available to you, mm-hmm. oh my, it's been unreal. Yeah, it's game changer. Game changer. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's brilliant. Yeah. And and so you mentioned your book. Tell us a little bit about your book, please. Yeah. So um, the first book is called Unsatisfied, When Mm -hmm. Less is More. Um, And a lot of it was written out of the journey that I I just shared about these leaders I met with and how, you know, they thought that if they had these, you know, grew this business into this big thing, that they would be satisfied and joyful and, and, um, you know, consider themselves uh, successful or whatever word you want to put around that. Mm -hmm. And it did not. They reached the top of this. They reached the top of the ladder and realized, uh oh, the view isn't what I thought it would be. And, um, and so, and at the time I was, began writing this book, kind of my own story was in a very similar place. Um, my, uh, my kids were getting older. I was gone. I traveled a lot and I was missing out myself. And so, uh, so the, the book is written in three parts. The first part is this model. I call it the flourishing life model. And what does it mean to live a flourishing life? Mm-hmm. So it's a five layer model that goes from diminishing to surviving, to striving, to thriving, then to flourishing. And, and what does it mean to live at the flourishing level? And then the second part of the book is, is really a combination of my story and then these stories of these lead leaders that I talked with. And then the third part is all about integration and practical application. So, you know, here's kind of the how-to because the, I, I didn't believe the world needed another philosophy book. I believed it needed a, a field manual. And okay. so, uh, yeah. so that's what that is. So then my, the next book coming out in a few weeks is called mm-hmm. Unengaged building flourishing organizations and this one really is written towards leaders of organizations and how do you how do you build a flour how do you intentionally address these people related challenges we talked about earlier mm-hmm. and intent and and build something where people have the opportunity to become the best version of themselves to flourish yes. and in turn build a flourishing organization and again it's also written in this field manual style where the whole third part of the book is practical application and exercises. Fantastic. And and so in terms of those are your books, but I always like to understand what leaders are reading. Yep. So is there it doesn't have to be reading, obviously it could be a podcast, could be a Netflix documentary, it could be anything. But what are you consuming at the minute that's really helping shape how you see leadership today? Um so there's been uh there's been several books over over my life that have really influenced me. Well I'll give you three that I think one of them is uh, mainstay it's been around forever but um, I still talk about it with people. The fact I had a lunch last week with somebody I talked about, and it's uh, Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly, highly Effective yes. People. 
Yeah. Um, it's just one of my favorites. Uh, mm-hmm. Some some time some some timeless truths and principles in there that are effect that that help leaders that help non leaders. It just helps you how to live life, I think, more successfully. Uh-huh. Um, the next one is, and I read this probably 10, 12 years ago. It's uh, by the Arbinger Institute called Leadership and Self Deception. Okay. And it's a book that is um, how do you as a leader. Um, view people as people. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it becomes so easy to view them. The the book talks about three barriers to how, or three unhealthy or toxic ways that we can view people. And one is as as a barrier. One is as um, a vehicle. In other words, to use, use people to get what I want. Or the third is just simply irrelevant. And, um, and then the, the book is a, it's written in this, um, novel type format that has these principles built into it. Uh, just an excellent book. And it makes me real, it made me realize real quickly, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm, they call it in the box, when you're in the box and you're viewing people like this and it applies to both, um, both professional and personal life. Excellent, excellent book. And then the third one, um, more recently for me, and it's made a huge impact on my, on the way that I'm doing life now. Um, when I started this new business, I, I didn't want to make some of the mistakes I made before of, you know, basically working 24 seven and not, not literally, but you know what I mean? Um, I wanted to have, I wanted to do this in a healthy, balanced way. Uh, I wanted to be available for my wife and for my kids. I wanted to be available for the community. And I wanted to, um, I, I figured if I can't do this in, in 50 hours a week, then I shouldn't do this. And so I need to figure that out. And so a good friend of mine gave me a book called sacred rhythms and um, in this book, it's by Ruth Haley Barton. And uh, in this book, she points out these these rhythms of life. And so that's what I, I that's what I was I was really wrestling with. What is my sustainable rhythm of life? And I was talking about my challenges with a good friend. He's actually on my board, and uh, and he's the one who said you need to read this book. And so I did, and it's just really helped me um, understand better. You know, my how do you look at life from a holistic perspective? And make sure that you're healthy and balanced, you know, emotionally, relationally, um, mm-hmm. vocationally, spiritually, financially, whatever it is, and uh, and making sure that all those areas are uh, you're not you're not you're not sacrificing one area for another. And so yeah. those are the three books that I just can't recommend high enough. Fantastic. And that third one, I think Matt, we've done almost two hundred episodes. It's never come up. Never really? come up. So yeah, yeah. So wow. that's that's going on the list definitely going on the list thank you for sharing that great book and, and so the other the other question that i really always want to understand is who's a, who's inspiring you so you mentioned your mentor previously but is there are there leaders past or present famous or otherwise that you particularly admire and if so what is it about them oh wow yeah there there are several um i would say that from a um Anytime I, I have an opportunity to to read about or listen to a leader who um, has been there and done that, but done it in such a way where they didn't lose themselves in the process and they were able to do it in a healthy and admirable way. So, you know, I think of people like Patrick Lencioni, who's written many books, who's a consultant and speaker. You know, I, I admire what he brings to the table and admire mm-hmm. that. I always enjoy listening to him when he speaks and I love his books. Yeah. Um, I think of, of, um, leaders like, uh, like the green family with, uh, Hobby Lobby 
and how they have built this family, how they built this business with according, you know, according to principles and it's very values driven. So, or the leaders of uh, Chick-fil-A and other ones, I just, I look at how they've built their businesses and they've done it very intentionally and they haven't wavered from those principles. Um, I think from a, from a personal, you know, I have very few heroes, if you will, in life. I do have one. And that's Jesus Christ. And, you know, I just admire the way he lived. I admire what he did when he was here and how he led sacrificially. And, um, and so I, that's a, that servant leadership, sacrificial leadership and truly caring for the holistic person is something that I admire and I aspire to. Yeah, absolutely. And it's leadership changed so much over the last oh. what, 20, 30 years. And I think servant leadership is the way forward. It's about Yes. Being there, like you, you, you were called out by that that previous employee because yes. you were doing the opposite of the servant leadership, and that as a like you say, it was a ground shaker. But that's the yeah. future. The servant leadership appears to yeah. be the way forward. From my yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And I well, and even in the example you just gave, I was um, here. I thought I was serving her, uh-huh. and, yeah. and and yeah, yeah. and uh, because I had this, I had an incorrect perspective, and so she really did. She helped me reshape my thinking of wait a minute. Serving somebody means serving them in the way they want to be served, mm-hmm. not in how I think they should be served. Yes. That was a game changer yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah, great insight. Thank you for sharing that one. Brilliant. And and so what can you tell us about what's going to be going on over the next 6, 9, 12 months at Uniquely Normal? Well, uh, obviously the big one is uh, next month with the book mm-hmm. launch. So that's mm-hmm. coming up. Um, uh, I have several speaking engagements. Um, I was asked to be—I was asked to speak at a large conference coming up in early October, um, and then um, you know I have a couple of other speaking engagements coming up as well. And then um, I am starting to uh, at least start to think about and journal uh, about a third book. So okay. we'll see how that comes together. And uh, and then um, other than that, it's a lot of of uh, client acquisition. You know, I've been very yeah. focused on on uh, working, finding new clients, working with clients. And so I've been blessed with some amazing opportunities. And uh, now I'm just hoping they turn into, you know, real clients. So, yeah, uh, but uh, but we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And on that vein then, so if people want to get in touch and they want to learn more about the organization, where can they find you? Uh, so website is probably the easiest. That's www.uniquelynormal.com. Um, and my, my email is Matt, M-A-T-T, at uniquelynormal.com. Uh, my first book is available on Amazon. My second book is actually available for pre-order. It's on uh, www.ballast, B-A-L-L-A-S-T, books.com. Fantastic. That's great. Thank you for sharing that with us, Matt. It's been really great to speak with you. I it's really enjoyed hearing about your journey. Yeah. Me too. Thank you so much for having me on, Amy. It's been wonderful talking with you. 